Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, it's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now, we are here on All Hallows Eve, hanging out with three quarters of the bandwagon. That's right, another short staff situation this week on the bandwagon as PC Tunney has chosen the links over the bandwagon. Just, um, Ah, you know what? Typical. Typical. I'm just, you know, shameful. But that's okay, because we do have the rest of the bandwagon here. We have the lawyer, David Ungar. How are you today, Mr. Ungar? Well, you know, you can't, Halloween. 
you can't find good help anymore nowadays. That's that's all I got to say about PC Tunny. But otherwise, you know, it's 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 Halloween, so it's going to be a little stressful. <laughs> so we'll we'll, uh, well we will get what? through it though. I, I guess so, and I guess you know we also have to welcome in Raymond S. Pumpkins himself, Mr. Ray Cash, the Reverend. Uh, things no, they, they you're gone. You would think after a week's absence they would have missed you, and yet no, they did not. They're already booing you. How are you, Mr. Pumpkins? I mean, can I get introduced before I get booed? My God. I introduced you, and they booed you. Like that was what happened. I said, "Welcome, Raymond S. Pumpkins." Oh, wow. well, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. Happy Halloween and uh per my name. Any questions? Well, very nice. many actually, but none that I want to share on the air. So <laughs> Yes, several. Can I can I share a confession? Please. I've never cared about Halloween ever. I don't blame you. I'm not a huge Halloween person. It's cool. Like, yeah, like dressing up was fun and all, but like I went to a I went to a costume party yesterday. And uh, not in costume. I, I put on a uh, button-down Spider-Man print shirt I got from Hot Topic 20 years ago, and that's as close as I got. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get like my kid's excited. The little O'Dowd, he's ready to go, and uh, he's got his costume, his uh, culturally appropriated ninja costume that he would wear. <laughs> Uh, for for Halloween, he's very excited about that, and we're doing we'll do the tricks and the treats and and what have you, and he'll have a good time. But I don't know, like I watched like three or four horror movies, a couple of movies that uh, I just had to get out of the way, like uh, classic eighties kids film, uh, The Monster Squad. Do we all do we do we know The Monster Squad here? Do 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 people Dave Dave does? So, I'm gonna assume right. Yeah. Ray, do heard you know the, the Monster Squad? Never watched it, but I've heard of it. Wolfman's Got Nards. It's one of the funniest moments as a child I ever saw in my life. And those who know, laugh along with us. Those who don't know, go check out The Monster Squad, available streaming on Amazon Prime right now. That's how I watched it, and you can watch it there, too. Anyway, as I mentioned before, this is Bandwagon Nerds. We are on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com, where we are told to always use our head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Thank you, Christopher Platt. And we have a packed we have a packed agenda as always we are of course going to cover doom patrol episode eight of season three we have lock and key season two episode two a ton of trailers it's like after last week where we had like the most sparse trailer park ever tons of trailers to talk about this week we got five trailers to cover and then just a lot of good news around the nerdosphere a lot of highlights and stuff to comment about much much more fun uh this week and um i just i think a a nice little agenda we had a short show last week depending on how this conversation goes it may be a short show again this week really kind of is contingent on ray's viewing of lock and key or lack thereof so ray confession time have you have you stayed up on lock and key? <laughs> Bro, I haven't even I just put it on my list on Netflix yesterday. I'm the one calling. See, and you wonder why the people boo you. That's, a, that's an earned boo. 
Like, I get unearned booze all the time. I'm fine with the earned ones. I mean, I, I, I got nothing, man. I, I, I got nothing. Like, the audience just, you, you continue to disappoint them. They continue to get angry with you. And then you keep you keep fanning the flames. You are, you're, you're bordering Xbox heat at this point. And, and I just don't understand it. Like, all, all I know is y'all better not boo me in February. That's all I know. Why would we boo you in February? Like, yes, three months, sir. Affirmative action says I can't get booed in that month. <laughs> ask, ask my lawyer, Dave Ungar. Uh, I defer hold, to hold Mr. Lashley's counsel on this issue. <laughs> hold, your, hold your breath and see if that happens. All right. Enough of the pleasantries. Let's get to the meat and bones of our episode reviews. Dave, cue up some Doom Patrol music for us, please, and thank you. said this in the chat i literally about 20 minutes before we started recording wrapped up watching episode eight of this season of doom patrol my favorite episode of the season so far by far and here's the thing dave every episode dave's like this is batshit crazy this is batshit crazy this is batshit crazy and i can't and i I know i've been maintaining the line of Dave, you haven't seen batshit crazy on Doom Patrol. Like your your threshold is so low if you think those are the batshit crazy moments. Because this episode truly goes full batshit. Where we enter into we we learn the true purpose of the eternal flagellation. And we learn why why is that funny? I didn't say flagellation. No, I'm no, yes, no, I'm I'm laughing at the actual purpose and reveal of the eternal flagellation but please continue right where we learned that the sisterhood of data led by rita far uh did this intentionally to bring members of everybody into the worst moment uh residing within their subconscious the moment that they um, must be forced to confront themselves with before moving forward as better people and we get to take a look into the minds of four of our five noble heroes obviously we do not look into the mind of rita far as she is orchestrating this whole thing but we do get you know cliff we get um larry, uh, larry god damn it um larry uh Jane and Vic, we get all kinds of wildly different moments in their lives and in their subconscious and how they remember things. Probably most notably Jane and her subconscious moment, which is a fully realized adult version of Kay in 
the equivalent of Sesame Street and Jane is, and the other personalities are surrounding a human K as puppets. It's it's something to behold, though. I will say Vic as an action figure is a close second. Where where to start? Where to begin? Ray, why don't you start with your response to this episode? Because at the end of the at the end of the episode, some people are better for it and some people are in a spot that they don't want to be out of out of our hero team so take it away we'll go with you first some people are in a better spot some people are not where they want to be which should be like the tagline for doom patrol it's like every episode um because larry i think came out of it pretty well well he's a proud he's a proud mom he's a proud mother and he should be proud um is it the most doom patrol thing that may have ever happened on the show even more doom patrol then the gender fluid street that turns into an ambulance is this thing that's supposed to be the most feared thing all season. We've had four or five episodes building up to, and it's art. Like it's the most Doom Patrol thing possible. It's just ridiculous. So first and foremost, the turn of flagellation is like, if it wasn't Doom Patrol and you weren't expecting to get swerved, that would be like the most disappointing build and reveal maybe ever but because it's doom patrol and it's so subverted it's like perfect for the show right that's number one number two it's interesting the moments that all four of them have or the memories or the situations all four of them have that they're stuck in it's interesting because uh it's not always what you think it might be right you you would think for Larry be when he left his family, but it was when he got married. And for Cliff, you would think it w- well. I don't know. Cliff got so many screw ups in his life, right? But um, just so interesting to think. And knowing Cyborg as a character before the show, and then them giving that backstory about the whole racist incident and him being forced to take the one black toy that he never wanted that was a soldier, and his dad kind of you. I've I've said on the show many times, Silas Stone is the one of the worst dads in history. In history. And you further see that, right? And even it's it's not even like it's an overt bad. It's that just subconscious of I'm changing who you are as a person and you don't even realize it type bad. It's really, really cool. I think it's also cool we're finally starting to get more uh remnants of the brother Brotherhood of Evil and see where they really um stand in this entire season you see the reason why she's called madame rouge which is a really cool way to kind of put that in um just man just a fun crazy episode and uh the biggest takeaway for me and i know we'll do the one around here again but the whole all the other stuff was cool but this has got to be the episode about k right this is all this is k's episode as far as i'm concerned yeah i think that's fair i think that we we see Kay um, forcing Jane to forcing Jane out and saying Jane's the problem, and you know it looks like we're going to get a pretty strong follow up to that in the next episode. If you all hung around for not only that but the little bonus after tag about the making of that episode, it was a lot of good stuff. Dave, worst father. So you've got you've got Ray's statement of um, of Vic's, Vic's father being awful, but um, him or Cliff Steele? 
Oh, Cliff Steele by far. Uh, you, you know, I mean, Cliff, Cliff, go look for all of Silas's faults. He doesn't leave his daughter in the car to go do blow and hang out with the strippers. So come on, Ray. He, he didn't hang out with the slit. He banged the stripper. Just to stick up for me. If you look at Victor, look at Vic and look at Cliff's daughter, which one seems more well-adjusted? Just saying. I, that's debatable, but I don't know, man. I, I, I think I like... It's debatable. I, I think I think we've now I don't think we've ever seen I think we've seen out of Cliff's daughter I think we've just seen somebody who is like this guy's a fuck up and I don't like I'm gonna give him a chance like she gave him another chance mm-hmm. and he blew it and and he blew Multiple it colossally <laughs> and yeah repeatedly and so she definitely wanted Cliff to be back in her life and, but it it's it's Cliff so. Neither, neither yeah. is exactly going to be father of the year there. No, I, I thought like this episode to me was also my favorite. And yeah, it's it's crazy, but in a different kind of way, because it kind of like everything that was crazy leading up to this kind of like is brought to the point where, OK, now I get what they're doing. Now that makes sense. This makes sense. The whole Rita thing, how she forgets and then remembers the the real big conflict between Rita Farr and Madame Rouge is brought to the forefront in this episode mm-hmm. and you get to see it in all of its splendor as to exactly where they are and how they got to this point. So I loved how this was a very, an episode that really filled in a lot of gaps. And let's be honest, there's been lots of gaps in season three so far. And this episode really helped to kind of, there were like about four or five aha moments. Now it now all makes sense in this episode. And and I love that. And, and I agree that this is my favorite episode by far uh you know the the subconscious stuff and and the characters trying to not reckon i mean some of them are like you said some of them are reconciling certain things with each other and others not so much you know larry and larry reconcile a few things in a very beautiful moment uh cliff and cliff not exactly (laughs) jane and Kay, not exactly i i would argue cliff is probably number two in reconciling because again at the end of that episode, his daughter says, this isn't working. And he says, I know. So yeah. he understands. Now, his whole facing his mortality, he hasn't really come to grips with the way his subconscious has. But there's at least a part of that reconciliation taking place. Whereas Jane completely rejects it and finds herself alone in the way station or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and, and that's going to be a challenge. And then Vic... Uh, Vic, you know, we haven't even talked about, we haven't talked about this yet, but Vic wakes up and he, he's now no longer outwardly appearing as a cyborg. Uh, he, he, the, the skin procedure has happened. Who's doing and decision was that? Was that Silas? Cause Silas is there waiting for him when he wakes up. I think it was his decision, right? And then the eternal flagellation it, took him out for his aura, I guess, for he lack did. of a better term. But he went out and was not responsive. So the reason so, it's, it's his, I think it's his decision because, I mean, all of us are old enough to have had procedures. He had already, the procedure had already started. But if you remember when she was interviewing him about the procedure, he, she kept saying, call your dad, call your dad, call your dad. So I'm pretty sure she called his dad while he was out so that when he came to, he'd have some family. That's what I, That's what it feels like to me. But I mean, again, Silas Stone is just, 
he's the bane of parental existence, so he may yeah. have, have something to do with it. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then we end this episode with Rita coming face-to-face with Madame Rouge. We got two episodes left, by the way, guys. I don't know if you know this or not, but we got two episodes left of this season. So that'll give Ray some time to catch up on Lock and Key, but it also means that we got... I said we've only got two episodes left of Doom Patrol, so you've got time to catch up on Lock and Key and Flash Gordon, and maybe, and maybe finally watch Flash Gordon. But um, in the meantime, in the meantime, next, if if Doom Patrol follows its usual pattern, this episode is going to be the climactic episode with a little bit of aftermath in ten before we denouement and set up season four. Yeah, I, I mean, so, go ahead, Ray. Sorry, man. No, I was I was just gonna say I thought the eternal flagellation was gonna kind of be like the big bad or the big thing of season ten of see this season. Clearly, it's the Brotherhood of Evil. Yeah, it's not. It was just it like flipped. another thing. That's that. That was the great thing about watching HBO Max. And if you watch the little featurette afterwards, the showrunner talks about that. He was like, "We we were setting up the eternal flagella- flagellation as this. You know, we we they, he talks about it. we wanted to head fake the audience." But really, they didn't. We just assumed because that's what we do as viewers. They just took advantage of of assumptions of viewers. And I I liked that. I liked that they've shown us the Brotherhood of Evil is is a big part of this season. Like episode one, we see the brain. And and yet here we are being like, no, 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 it's the Sisterhood of Dada stuff. It's Madame Rouge and so on and so forth. And then it is Madame Rouge, but it's because she works for the Brotherhood of Evil. And the Sisterhood of Dada was trying to, is trying to stop her. Uh, and the internal flagellation is part of that. That's very, very clever. Dave, what are you looking forward to out of our last two episodes of season three for Doom Patrol? Well, I think the showdown between Madame Rouge and Rita is, is the big one looming on the horizon. Um, yeah, the Brotherhood of Evil's involvement, in, and I'm sure they have a uh, heavy investment in the outcome of that showdown. Uh, I, I do want to see what the parasite turns into. You know, at this point, Larry went back near the end, got his baby, you know, and, and is taking care of it. <laughs> Probably going to name it, which he shouldn't do. And, and, and then, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I, I imagine that's going to be a big moment to see what that develops into it's in a larval stage right now so uh what's going to become of that i the the stuff with jane is 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 fascinating because you got you've got to have you know you're down to really two personalities living in this one person Kay and jane and do they find a way to coexist to make one whole person and then what happened to jane's other 62 personalities and powers you know that that's kind of a a question to me and cliff is just a fucking train wreck. So I, I don't know what to say about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm just curious as anybody with Vic, you know, is, is cyborg gone, which would be a revelation in the DC universe. If cyborg is like, Oh, he's gone. Uh, so there's a lot of loose ends that I want to see tied up, but overriding all this, I think it's the brotherhood of evil. And where's Niles Calder. When does him and Dorothy come back into this thing? Cause that's gotta happen. I'm guessing. I think Niles is gone, gone, gone to gone, gone, gone. Because I mean, you can only eat a dude's brain so many times, right? Um, and I love you, Ray. Eat. <laughs> yes, yeah. sure. That's so. That's such a deep statement. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Doors with the dead boys, and I think Pat Patrick said it. 
that's probably the next spinoff. Dead Boys Detective Agency. And if she, if, if I see Dorothy rocking with the Dead Boys, I can't. I, I'm I'm cool with it. It makes sense. Um, the two things I'm most well, the three things I'm most looking forward to clearly is whatever happens with Cyborg. Um, if he's gonna get his powers back, if he still has them, and they're gonna come out of his skin. I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, two, of course, we got to see what's happening with Jane and Kay. And are the other personalities gone? Are they hiding? Because, you know, they're starting to not only revolt against Jane, but they're revolting against Kate, which is crazy when she's the reason you exist. But the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is the mega super Voltron-esque battle between uh, Red Beret Gorilla and Gorilla Grodd. I need it. Put it in my life. Um, I'm waiting. Hold your breath. Hold your breath until that happens, because um, I don't think it's happening within the next two se- two episodes. I'm However, I, you can wish, um, and we'll keep wishing as we head into the penultimate episode of season three next week with Doom Patrol. All right. Well, that closes the book on Doom Patrol for this week. Let's move over into our other show, episode two of Lock and Key. So we're going to bench Ray because he's a lazy nerd, but I'm going to cue up some theme music and then Dave and I, let's chat. Um, let's go back to last week, Dave. Last week, if you'll recall, I had said that everybody on Lock and Key makes stupid decisions except for Bodhi. And then this week, it went, Bodhi makes all the dumb decisions in the episode. And I don't know if it infuriates me or not. It doesn't, I, I don't know if it, inf- I don't know if it infuriates me is the right, is the right way to describe it. I think the weird balance between his naivete and his wisdom was compromised a little bit in the way that he like instantly trusts new girl and the way that he unquestionably just runs around acting the fool with Gabe. Uh, And I know nobody knows who Gabe really is. And we all think that Gabe is, is safe and trustworthy, but man, we just, every, everything, that is in Bodhi's instinct has been to protect the secret of these keys. And he opens the, he opens fifth grade talking about what I did over the summer by bragging about how he lifted his brother's car and spun it like a basketball on his finger. And then like some strange new girl in town sits down and is like, Hey, I'm going to tell you this secret. And and just reveal, it gives up the whole ghost. Like what's up with that? Well, I mean, they're all all the kids are telling everybody about the keys. The keys are like suddenly not a secret anymore to any to just about anybody. But yeah, I I, I give Bodie a pass with Gabe because 
he's just looking for somebody to relate to because he's really having a difficult time with that. And and Gabe is 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 a pro. But I mean, yeah, right before Gabe hits the uh, the, uses the uh, the ghost key and hits the threshold, he sets your calls Bodie a little shit. It's like, dude, that didn't register with you. He just called you a little shit. And it just doesn't it doesn't register with him. And then even when Gabe comes back and just takes off. Uh, I'm sure at some point Bodie's going to put two and two because even though it's like, yeah, you fucked up. He's still the smartest of all of them uh, and has and does have the best instincts. Well, and then there's hopefully between that and Kinsey at, you know, wanting to get more intimate with Gabe and jump into the mind key, which we know why Gabe doesn't want that because no. that will give up the game. Uh, yeah, I know. Dodge showing up that's that's not good yeah i just the stuff with the little I girl know. i that's that i get what you're saying and i guess i guess i i do get it with a little girl because it's a, like little kids things like i i sort of get it oh it just it was way too easy like i met you today at school and boom here's everything and i think the other big aspect like you were talking about Kinsey and Gabe's relationship falling apart. Uh, Nina apparently getting a love interest. It would appear, even though he kind yeah. of they started off on a very rocky, awkward footing, and then Man's fortuitously kind of came back. But then again, what's that guy's name? Josh or Jess? Um, I forget what his name is. But what's the deal with the? It's with Jimmy. The, name is Jimmy. It's not Jimmy. <laughs> you haven't watched the damn show. Over. You can't just throw out a name starting with J and say, "Yeah, there it is." I'm just trying to contribute, bro. It's I'm just Josh. trying to contribute to the it's group. Josh Bennett. Josh Bennett. So what was the deal with that to scale model of Keyhouse in his office? Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I mean, this is one of those things where you have to suspend so much disbelief because everybody new in town has something in their in their past that isn't exactly on the up and up. Well, that's you know exactly. And that's not, the thing about the show. Well, is that and why I think Ray would like it is because nothing is what it appears on the surface in this show. Everybody's got an ulterior motive. Everything at first glance is like, it looks one way. And then a couple episodes later, you find out it's completely different than what you thought it was. Uh, but yeah, Nina and, and Josh, maybe, you know, sharing, they've got that shared bond of trauma, both of them losing their respective spouses right. in the last year. Which I do think I like, I'm interested to see how this relationship develops because I'm like, part of me is like, damn, those corpses aren't that cold. <laughs> we have moved on. Okay. Um, you know, the other the other big, you know, revelation that comes out of this is, is we've been talking about when you turn 18 and you lose memory of the keys and we have Kinsey just, you know, she's visiting Aaron at the asylum and remembers that they learned that the original group of kids figured out a way to remember how to uh, about the keys and how to use them. And so Kinsey and Tyler used the bind key to go into Aaron's mind, free her from her own entrapment. And it'll be interesting to learn how that all really happened and why she's been trapped in her own mind for all this time. And yeah, it was just a big setup to, you know, the next couple episodes, I would assume. Yeah. And at, at the end, Aaron comes out of her catatonic state. So we're going to find That's out. That's what I'm saying. And then Gabe now has learned from Chamberlain Locke. Is that yeah. who? 
it goes, yes. he, he talks to the ghost of Chamberlain Locke and figures out the missing procedure to make keys on his own, which is not going to be a good thing. Ray, Ray Cashington. And, um, Chamberlain Locke is a name. Hand. Yes. He's an ancestor from of, of the Locke family. Back to uh, mute. Back to mute. I go. <laughs> Why are you judging the name, man? No, you don't have to mute. Don't unmute yourself. Yeah, unmute yourself. What's wrong with Chamberlain? Speak, speak forth your word vomit. No, it's just funny to me. That's just that is that's that's about as old as it gets. That's like Bartholomew. Well, funny, huh? Yep. See, I see Patrick. That's an earned food. <laughs> that's absolutely earned. Benedict Cashington. <laughs> there you go. That's my. Oh, there we go. That's my next Benedict, one. Benedict Cashington. Very nice. Um, so, and I don't know that there's too much more to glean out of this episode uh, this week. It, those are those are kind of the high points. Next week, you know, obviously, I think I think we progress. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about Aaron and the kids from the past, and that becomes a new window. And I wonder how that will impact Dodge when Dodge learns that that's happened, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I that, and the, the walls are closing in around Gabe pretty soon, so that facade is going to uh, be removed. So, yeah, what is oh, God? I think, that, I think that facade ends around episode six. Because that's usually about halfway through the season. That's when we, when we learn something is fucked. Or, like, somebody will learn, and it won't go well. It won't end well for that person and, and sort of build the action. So we'll we'll see. Get on it, Ray. Uh, Get on it, Benedict. Get on the show. That's great. I, I do think you'll enjoy this show. It is based on a graphic novel. I do think uh, once you get caught up, you will be all for. You're a big fan of speculative, like you you love speculating anyway. Uh, it's it's one of your one of your assets when you review shows in the first place. This show opens the door every episode to new levels of speculation as to what it all means and what's happening next. So. I just get on time. I'm gonna watch it. I just gotta find are, the time. Ray, are I just you? thought of something. Dodge is Mephisto, oh, right, Patrick? Oh, that'll snap. get him, that'll get him in. Two seasons you know done tonight. No, 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 Dave. No, 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 no. God, no. Just looking. No. Just looking for a hook, Pat. I'll hook you. Anyway, I uh, I will miss you guys next week when you can. Not boo Ray and basically talk oh, all the crap you want. Uh, I get booed regardless. Yeah. Are you? He he hate me. Oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> he hate me as an XFL player. All right. This feels like as good a time as any to take our first commercial break. We're going to be back in about one minute and sixteen seconds, and then we've got a lengthy visit to the trailer park for you all. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, gentlemen, we are back, and it is time to cue up the banjo because we pay in a lengthy visit to the trailer park today. really rocked out hard on the banjo the air banjo your skills you rival steve martin with your banjo playing skills shout out to the jerk low-key i always impressed by how great of a banjo player he is by the way have you ever watched him like perform with other people it's crazy um and I, and that's totally where we needed to go with this conversation that's where we needed to start Absolutely. um i we got five trailers to talk about i personally I'm excited about all five trailers. Some of these are completely in my wheelhouse. Some of these uh, are yeah, a little less so. I would say the last trailer is probably the one I'm least excited about, oddly enough. But I put it last because I figured like it was the most newsworthy one. And it's really the only 
kind of completely original one. Like it's the only sh- only movie we haven't talked about. It's also the only movie out of these that we're going to talk about. Uh, but the first, we're going to do a return to my childhood come late November. And Kevin Smith and Netflix have helped set us up as they have released the trailer for part two of his limited run series, Masters of the Universe Revelation. And we get all kinds of looks at what is to come with this series. Now, before I go into talking about my excitement, Dave Ray, show of hands to nobody who can see, who actually watched Masters of the Universe Revelation? And looking for hands, looking looking for hands, looking for hands. Um, so I watched Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 1. <laughs> And loved it. It was everything that I could have wanted out of my childhood, um, revisited and more while telling it own, its own more adult grown-up story. Kevin Smith upsetting white middle-aged boys everywhere who were pissy that other people of the the female gender, the, the people who use she, her pronouns, taking the forefront of the first half based on the story that was being told. And to those fans, by the way, fuck you, you're stupid and you don't understand storytelling. This trailer shows you that we are going to get plenty of He-Man and Skeletor, particularly Skeletor, uh, towards this back half. As Skeletor uh, immediately comes back, promptly murders Prince Adam, who had also been resurrected, takes on all the power of Grayskull, and is like Super Skeletor to kick off this with Evil Lynn taking on the role as his sorceress uh gentlemen i'm just gonna ask you one at a time did you actually watch the trailer? show of hands if you actually watched the trailers can i get that oh well at least you watched the trailers so just react to what you saw then and whether or not you would take the interest to watch this i think it's a nine or ten episode series they're only half hour episodes by the way so you can rip right through these ray you're nodding what do you think of masters of the universe revelation part two trailer i enjoyed it uh and for the record i didn't watch the first one not because i didn't care about it i just forgotten and half the time but um i watched the trailer actually with my daughter and both of us were like oh yeah we got to watch this um yes you do i think i, I, think I told you guys like you know uh masters of the universe was kind of bestowed upon me uh by my cousin um so when I was a little kid, I'm talking like two, three, four, um, my cousin had a bunch of Master Universe toys, passed them on to me. And so before I'd even heard of the show, I knew Skeletor, Fisto, He-Man, all these people. Uh, so I'm hyped for it. It looks great. And it's you. You the main thing I want to talk about was, and you uh, touched on it, all this much ado about nothing about, I don't remember the lady's name. Forgive me, the lady Tila. character. What's her name? Tila. Tila being the main character, uh, your boy He-Man like beasted this entire two and a half minute trailer. So yeah, much do about nothing, uh, people, because it's okay to have two protagonists. It was, I, oh, hey, one more hey. thing real quick. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It, I did get hype when he was like, yo, I don't need sword, bro. It's already in me. I was like, oh. And the thing that I'm really, it's a little thing, but they're going to bring back the primal aspect of He-Man to start. Like, he's not going in that traditional look with Battle Cat to kick it off. He's very much, um, and that character is very primitive and almost feral in the way that it, that, that aspect works. And, and you can see it was very uh, 
mindless hulkish if you will dave what did you think of this this particular trailer uh pretty much what what ray said i i had the same thoughts about it i didn't watch the first part just because of time issues but uh, I, I I shared a lot of what Ray was saying. It, it seems like uh, when you look at the focus of that trailer and, and the focus is squarely on He-Man, then it's like, uh, or at least a lot on He-Man, a lot of the people who were like all, like you were saying, Pat, all up in arms about the lack of He-Man in part one. Uh, well, you should be appeased now and, and maybe give Kevin Smith a little bit more benefit of the doubt that he knows how to tell a story. He's just not going to give you everything you want right up front. So yeah, it's it's definitely one that I'd I'd like to check out. Sure. It's it's a it's a series that I'm actually making a point to before the twenty fourth comes along, rewatch those five episodes uh that kicked it off just to kinda to get my, my memory back. Question. Yeah. I'd be completely and utterly shocked if that really is Mark Hamill. But did you not get a lot of Mark Hamill Joker vibes from Skeletor's voice? No, it is. That's voiced by Mark Hamill. It is Mark Hamill? Yeah, it's solo ah, marketing. Let's go. On his, right. on his Twitter, he, he's talked about it on his Twitter account on more than one occasion. Yes, definitely Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Lena Head, Headley uh, from Game of Thrones, uh, Cersei Lannister is the mm. voice of Evil Lynn. And Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy the Vampire Slayer herself, is the voice of Tila. So a lot so of really strong actors on this and directed by Kevin Smith. Okay. Let's move on to our Disney Plus edition uh, trailer today. As we got a, another, we've had multiple trailers so far, but our latest trailer for Hawkeye also coming to us at the end of November, dropping on Disney Plus, and is going to be part of a special weekly nerd review article. As we're going to review episode by episode in the nerd review to save up some space and probably have all three of us involved in some way, shape, or form. I'm hoping that Raymond S. Pumpkins can 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 get worked up to write a little bit about Hawkeye. I finally figured it out, though. I, I, I look at you all indignant. I'm just saying there's been times where you're like, yeah, I'm interested in writing it up. And then Wednesday come on, I didn't write it up. I've been pretty consistent as of late. Can't, True. You can't say I haven't been. And I was happy to piece out for a couple of writings in a row, because I will share, I think that amongst the three of us, rotating turns as to who writes for that might actually help us all with burnout a little bit. Cause I was a little burned out on the nerd review. I'm going to, I'm going to own it. Like it was, it was becoming less fun and more work. And I, and I didn't, I, I wasn't putting my heart in it. And, uh, yeah, what's yeah. my so, excuse then? <laughs> I'm just saying if we could give you a week off, like, like there could be a time where Ray and I could, could take it over. Maybe this week we'll review the raid or something. Um, have you seen the raid? No, I, I love the raid. Dude. Gotta watch. Which is that the martial arts movie? Yeah. Okay. Tony job, man. Anyway, totally other subject. We can talk about that later off air. Hawkeye. I finally figured it out. I figured out Hawkeye and who he is. Hawkeye is the Bruce Willis action star of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we are getting the MCU version of Die Hard as it's and that, that that's the vibe I got watching this trailer this time a lot around. And I don't know if it was just the Christmas music in the background or the fact. And I, as I thought about this more and more, basically since Avengers Age of Ultron, one of Hawkeye's biggest things is just him landing and going, oh, 
Bruce Willis style in Die Hard. That's and that's I saw a lot of that in this trailer. Hawkeye's gonna get his ass beat, and it's gonna be fun. And, and yeah, it looks like a good time. Dave, go first. What do you think of my theory that this is basically the MCU version of Die Hard? Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't think about it before, but the more I'm thinking, eh, the Christmas background, it's it does have a sort of diehardish feel to it. Uh, you know, I, I like I like Kate's going to be a really is going to steal the show uh, on that whole thing, oh, yeah. and, and and that there's no doubt about that. You could see it in the trailers. But I think that's the purpose. It too. is. It is, and how how Hawkeye slash Jeremy Renner's character helps her to get there, so that he can take a step back. And she can come forward. They're still being very coy about not introducing any of the other elements we know are coming, namely Yelena Belova, Red Guardian, that sort of thing. So they're deliberately keeping that out of there. But that's typical for Marvel. But yeah, I think the Die Hard comparison is very apropos. And uh, it is it, obviously a series that we're all looking forward to, to see, you know, this character who I know is one of Ray's favorites. He's one of mine, not not to the same level as Ray's, but I, I I mean, just more Hawkeye can't be a bad thing without maybe the without so much of him being a slut, especially since he's married and went through killing off half of uh, Asia to mourn for his family in, in the end game. So no, just the Yakuza, dude, relax, man. He didn't kill half of Asia. He also killed a bunch of Mexican drug lords, too, man. I mean, and, and the Italian mafia, mafiosos, yes. He was he, he was multicultural in his assassinations. Equal opportunity killer. Yes. There you go, Ray. What are your your thoughts? You've probably been the most excited of the three of us over the Hawkeye series. Yes. Wait. So Ray, are you saying uh, he was Dexter with a bow? Is that what you're saying about him? Well, so at, well, he was Dexter with a sword <laughs> at that moment. Oh, that sword. Okay. Like that? Did you did you like my uh, enunciation? Sword. Um. So look, you know, y'all know I'm hyped for this. With with respect to the to the X Men, Hawkeye is my favorite individual Marvel character. Love him, and I want to thank Matt Fraction because people looked at Hawkeye drastically differently after that Matt Fraction series in the comics. They he became a completely different character, and the John McClane esque um, vibe you get comes from that Matt Fraction um, comic. The very first panel is him jumping out of a window, out of a building, with the whole shooting arrow, and then falling on falling on the uh, a, a a car, and basically like ugh, and then he walks off like back almost broken. That's the entire vibe of the whole thing. What I do, what Avenger superhero does on his off days, super hype. I appreciate we get to see Laura for once because a lot of people were thinking since we never saw Laura, his wife, that she didn't yeah. exist anymore, that they, something happened. Um, I'll pop so hard if uh, Adrian Pilaki, uh Bobby Morse, Mockingbird shows up like, hey, uh, I ain't seen you in a while. I would pop so hard for that. Um, but yes, uh, no hint of Yelena, but they haven't hinted any of the big bads except for Madam Mask, a.k.a. Kate's mom, because we haven't seen uh, Echo, who's probably going to be. She's going to be a bad. She's not going to be a big bad, but she's going to have some form of contentious relationship with them. We haven't seen Clown yet. All we've seen is a tracksuit Draculas. So I'm so excited, so hype. And uh, there's like five or six like major, super popular panels from that comic. But we got to see one in the commercial. And that's when they're driving the car. And she's going to the arrows. And she's like, what do these arrows do? You got a, a boomerang arrow? What's a boomerang arrow do? And all these arrows. And you see 
part of that in the trailer when she blows up the van. Just know, I'm here for it. And Marvel, this is, if I may take a second, I want to talk to Kevin Feige. Look in, look in the camera, Kevin. Six episodes, big dog? That's all you're going to give me? I've been waiting for this since 2012, and you're going to give me six episodes, big dog? Really? It's, really? It's, okay, but it's it's their Hawkeye movie just parsed out, man. Relax. It's okay. I got it, but I would give me a 10-hour Hawkeye movie because all you put my man through, give my man some love, okay? And yes, I'm biased. Well, while Race looks for a hug, I do want to go back to a comment that Dave made and I think is really important. And, and David talked about Kate Bishop is going to steal the show. Yes, absolutely. And it's what Marvel wants to have happen. It's the same thing that they did with Yelena Belova in Black Widow. And here's why. They need these characters to steal the show because they're the ones carrying the Marvel Cinematic Universe forward. So you need to love these characters to replace characters they already love. I, I firmly believe that. That's why I think it makes the loss of, say, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow more palatable because people are excited to see what's going to happen with Yelena Belova and Florence Pugh. It's why we're excited for Haley Steinfeld and her role as Kate Bishop if it goes as well as we hope it to. It's why we were very pleased with the end result of Falcon and the Winter Soldier because we needed it to be good. We needed that to happen. And so Marvel has been very adept at building this up for its audience, and, and I'm here for it and, and very excited to see it. With you saying that, you putting a lot of weight on Riri because, I mean, RDJ is, is the MCU. You put a lot of weight on Ironheart. Are you, are you worried about it? I'm and not I, worried. Is, and is it just – so here's the thing is I, I don't know that I completely agree with that. It needs to be the strength of the cast, right? Sure. Like RD, or Robert Downey Jr., absolutely. The foundation that was built upon. That foundation's still there. Now it's adding new layers that we want to take seriously. And the, the question of who will be the Iron Man is is the, is a real question. And not about Riri herself, but – like who who will be that personality that launches the next generation? It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be her. It should be Spidey, given the relationship that they gave him. Sony. Yeah, we just thing. don't know what's going on with Sony and Spidey, and so that's that's tough to call too. So and Riri got the actual proper iron suit, so that's the only, that's my only reason I'm concerned. But yeah, you're right. If I could, because you guys raise a good point talking about. Uh, you know, moving the narrative forward. Uh, so much of what this phase, what the Disney Plus shows are are trying to do is to get people to acclimate themselves and move forward with di different characters who you can relate to somebody from the past, like Ironheart or is going to be Iron Man. And then you've got uh, Captain, Amer Captain America Sam replacing Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers. You've got valkyrie probably moving in the direction of replacing thor you've got kate bishop replacing hawkeye you got stuff like that so it, marvel's being very calculated in trying to gradually get people to accept these new characters so that you know there's no big disconnect when they bring the avengers the new avengers together for the first time right and there's going to be enough holdovers to to kind of keep some um tendons holding holding the whole skeleton together so like you'll still have carol danvers 
sounds like Mark Ruffalo is going to be Bruce Banner until they bloody well kill him. Renner's uh, not going anywhere. Renner's not right. Going like so, so there will be some connective tissue there that'll that'll continue uh, to be a part of it. All right, trailer number three. Dave's man crush front and center as we get a full trailer for the Witcher season two. Toss a coin to your Witcher, Dave, and talk to us about what you saw from your man crush in this trailer. I, I saw a lot of uh, badassery going on. Is basically what what I saw. Uh, there's there's a lot in this trailer, and you did get to see some uh, some uh, aspects of Yennefer going on. So we know, okay, Eddie, like there was never any doubt, but you actually got to see her in action. Um, Siri looks like she's grown up a bit. If I was, if that was actually her, uh, and, and it's just you know the creatures are back. They look pretty cool. I mean, Witcher had season one had some great creatures. This looks like it's going to continue that. And, and it's, it's a lot to digest in this trailer. Still don't have a really good feel for where they're going or, or what's happening, but it's just like, you're looking at this trailer. It's like, wow, season two has got a lot of stuff going on. And at the very end, they bring the bard back in and, and, and the whole thing with him, I made some new friends and, and, and Geralt just kind of like, whatever dude. And, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's it's a trailer that doesn't have any like real refined purpose to it, but there's a lot of great stuff going on. It has that Witcher feel. You get the impression, as we suspected, there's other Witchers that you're going to kind of kind of get introduced to as we go along. But yeah, December seventeenth uh, can't really get here quick enough at this point because I'm in. I, I don't I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but I'm in. So 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 Ray, speaking of shows you need to catch up on, when are you gonna start watching The Witcher? So first I got to watch Flash Gordon for the 45th time. Then I got to watch Foreign Gully 5. We still here. Then I got to catch. Hey, look, hey, it's not my fault. They keep making them, bro. Then I got to go ahead and catch them on Lock and Key because apparently we're actually actively reviewing that. I'll get to that. And there's like 17 other shows. And then I get to The Witcher. Well, you have until December. Uh, What was that day again, Dave? December 17th. We're, until we're on the show yes so i know you joined the show late but here here are the following shows that we have dedicated our time to cover so maybe move this up on the list a little bit yeah. so we've got the, these are the shows that we've covered on the airwaves um that have more seasons coming the umbrella academy mm-hmm. lock and key mm-hmm. um the witcher mm-hmm we covered um, Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, yep. And the boys. The boys. Hey, three out of five, baby. Let's go. He's Is that with, it? He's been with us for WandaVision, for Captain America, for Loki, or Captain Falcon. Wait, which and, and out of those and out of those Marvel shows, only one of them has a guaranteed season two. That's Loki. Loki. Yeah. So we uh, we got that. So you got to, you got to catch up on these other shows as well or you know things will happen such as audiences continuing to boo you and that's a deserved boo for a different reasons because you're you're only two-thirds of a nerd if you can't there's the name of the show this week two-thirds of a nerd you're uh, a slacker ray you're a slacker 
I mean, I don't even go to every episode that we record, and I keep up with the shows we're, we're tracking. Man, I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. What more do you have? You seen the Tyrese uh, video? What more do you want from me? I, you are the stone from which I will squeeze the blood. That's what we got going on here. All right. Speaking of strange metaphors, the wheel of time. Big trailer drops for Amazon. This thing looks epic. It too. Early November is a busy month, everyone. And this is another show dropping in November. Speaking of dedicate, like, I don't know. Like, I have months where I watch certain genres of, uh, of uh, cinema over others. November used to be my football movie month. Like, I'd watch, like, The Program and Varsity Blues, Necessary Roughness, uh, The Program. Did I say The Program? Mm-hmm. I think I might have said the program. Uh, North Dallas 40, for those of you who love old classic. By the way, North North Dallas 40, underrated little football movie. But maybe I need to go fantasy because we've got Wheel of Time dropping, Masters of the Universe is dropping. Maybe I'll just pull out the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings series and watch them instead. But You can watch them all on Amazon. Talk, talk about another trailer that tells you just a little bit but not a lot. Wheel of Time. Puts out its full trailer. Ray, you applauded. What were your thoughts of this trailer? I, I've explained this to you on the last trailer, man. Look, it looks epic in scale. It looks really cool, and I'm confused as hell. I just, I, I, I have no idea what's going on. I am completely and utterly just. I'm, I'm watching for the purpose of there, being like, oh, that looks cool. There is a dark force rising in the land, and only a select group of people can stop them. It's basically the plot of every fantasy story out there ever. Right, Dave? Pretty much, yeah. It's it's a it's a another epic trailer for another series that we should be dedicating our time to, but we probably can't because we've got other obligations. So we'll have to watch this on our own. Right. Although I do plan on trying to, but uh, I know the hat my my nephew who's read all the books was very excited. I, I shared the trailer with him and he's like, Oh, they actually showed the Trollocs, which I guess are what the half man, half beast creatures are actually called right. in the books. Mrs. O'Dowd read like all 13 Wheel of Time books in less than two months. Oh my God. Well, she's a machine when it comes to reading. She is not the type of person that compares to like, she'll get a book. Like I'm reading a series of teenage um, Gothic horror novels um, based on the spook. Um, the spook's apprentice is the name of the, of the first book. It's uh, steeped in English folklore. Those books are, they're easy reads, She'll read a 400-page book like that in a day, maybe a day and a half top. She absorbs material. It's crazy. Like, I'm trying to get her to buy the Dune books because I want to read the Dune books again. But I read so slowly that I can't check them out from a library. I have to buy them because there's just no way I'm going to get them read in time. Um, and The Wheel of Time is one of those quintessential, like – if you want to talk about basic required reading for the fantasy genre that a lot of people would throw out there as a, as a series of novels to read, uh, the wheel of time is one that people will throw out there and name, um, so, Dune, so which kind of, what does your wife think about the series? Cause I know like people who've read the books are excited that the series is coming out, but they're, they're also a little, um, uh, I don't know, tentative about the whole thing, wondering how faithful the adaptation so, is going to be. 
So the Wheel of Time falls under that category, much like The Watchmen, much like Dune, which we're going to talk about in the second in the last segment of the show today, of one of those that people argue may not be something that can be converted to film or cinema. Um, I don't know that I buy that. I know that she's cautiously, she's excited for it. Like she's looking forward to watching it. When I told her about it, it was coming about, she was like, wow. Uh, one of the things that she's really hopeful for is that the series will sort of modernize itself and be outside of a product of its time and the writer who wrote them because Robert G- Jordan had some some depictions of ladies that that's not the most um, great. We'll put it that way. It's not like Orson Scott Card bad, but it's 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 not the best. So Orson Scott Card, by the way, is the uh, the writer of Ender's Game, uh, um, amongst other stuff. So, but it's um, I don't know. I, it's it's high fantasy. It's high epic fantasy. There will be swords. There will be sorcery. There will be tavern tales and ale of flowing. And I think it, I think it'll be a good. I think it'll be a good series. I think that if there's one thing. Amazon has proven is that they're willing to throw money at a series to make sure that it's done within the vision of the content creator. I mean, the boys has had the same thing. They, they well fund their series, that Lord of the Rings series that they're working on well funded. So I am cautiously optimistic. Last trailer before we leave the trailer park and take our second break today, as we stay well on schedule and maybe finish with another quick edition of the bandwagon flight year finally dropped its first trailer and it's an interesting concept to me and i'm looking forward to hearing your guys's take on it in that uh, we all know buzz lightyear as the toy character from toys from the toy story series voiced by tim allen this movie is about the either the character or the person that the toy is based on mm-hmm. and so we get lightyear Buzz Lightyear, now voiced by Chris Evans, Captain America himself, which, again, stupid shit that people are wrapped up about. No, it doesn't matter that Tim Allen isn't voicing the fucking character. It doesn't. Shut up. Get over yourselves. It's it's like... it. Uh, I don't know. It's like when you have different voice actors for Batman in various animated series. Like, nobody cares. At the end of the day, if it's a good show, nobody cares. And Tim Allen and his toy you know, stupid, like not grounded head in the clouds character lent itself. Well, I'm willing to bet Lightyear has a different take on who Buzz Lightyear really was. I was not a toy story guy and have never, I know, right. And have never been particularly blown away by the toy story movies. Even, yep. I'm going to say it. Even toy story three, when everybody balls their eyes out, it's all right. Give me Iron Giant for a, for an animated show, animated movie that'll make me cry. But uh, I liked and appreciated it. But like Toy Story, you got to remember, as Ray is clutching his heart, oh Toy Story God. came out when I was in college. So those characters and Andy didn't resonate with me nearly the same way they did for a lot of other folks. And so there's a level of sentimentality that I have for watching them and, and a bit of like, Oh, I can, re- I can understand and relate to that, but I didn't grow up on toy story and I didn't grow up on the toy story series. So I am not as connected to these characters the way I know as Ray who clutched his heart, this is as important to Ray as Ferngully is. So Ray, I'm gonna I'm gonna break protocol and let you kick this off and react to the trailer 
and the fake controversy over who is voicing Buzz Lightyear. Oh, controversy is crap. First and foremost, you know that it's I fake know that. controversy. Right. Just we do. Just just even to just even to give it some credence, not credence, but just to give it some context. Of all of the toys that are made from real people by real people, how many of them really have the real person's voice? None. So if Buzz Lightyear is a human being and they made a toy after him, they wouldn't get the real Buzz Lightyear to make the voice for the toy. This wouldn't make sense. So just whatever. I'm really interested in this because this essentially is is Pixar's first origin story, right? Maybe second if you count Monsters U, but I, it's not in the same vein, right? Cars. Um, sir. Cars. That was an origin story. Sure, but I'm saying we're, 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 we but we we watched Cars from the very beginning and we grew with it. This is a we've unique. had this four episodes. Yeah, yeah, four four so, Toy Story so movies. So is, is maybe saying them going back to it, the person. Maybe calling it a prequel. That's maybe a better sense. That's, that's that's probably a better word. Yes. Um, but I'm hyped for it, man. I'm excited. I'm interested to see how they play it out. Chris Evans sounds good. They they pulled the old Chris Evans. Uh, Avengers, uh, and like at the end of every movie he was in, and they cut him off. They hit him with the two infinity end. So that was cool. That was you got to wait for that. You got to pay money for that. Pixar don't miss, bro. That's one of the few actual studios that don't miss. And when they do, when they like planes, it's still watchable. It's not good, but it's watchable. They don't miss. So I have no no qualms whatsoever about uh this move i'm excited uh i don't are they gonna put it in theater or it's gonna come on disney plus i'm curious exclusive to theaters i I do believe that's one of the movies that i'll go to the theater theater to watch me and the kids will go and we'll be there day one i'm excited for it and uh there one of the things that disney pixar marvel that whole conglomerate is fantastic at is is making a movie or a show about one particular character and then making you fall in love with secondary or tertiary characters that can then grow their own franchise, right? Because if you remember, Toy Story was about Woody and Woody alone, and now Buzz got Buzz is the one that got the the the, the spinoff, the whatever. So it, it's just very interesting to me, and uh, I'm here for it. It's um, yeah. I mean, I get what Ray's saying about origin story. It's a unique concept. What they're doing is taking, you know, these toys. They're taking established characters from a toy based universe and injecting them with like, like race and their origin story. And you got to figure, okay, if Lightyear works out really well, what's to say they won't do a Woody origin story as to what, what that character's based on it. They'll change, you know, maybe Robert Downey Jr. will voice Woody and people would be pissed off about <laughs> Tom Hanks not doing it, you know? So I don't know. It, 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 it looks I mean, it's a cool concept. And like Ray saying, the biggest point out of anything, Ray saying, Pixar does not miss. They don't make bad movies. Some are better than others. But I've yet to see a movie that I said, damn, that just sucked ass. Uh, that was like malevolent level of trash right there. You know, no, I, they don't. They just don't do stuff like that. So I, I'm in. I, I'm curious. It, it's a unique concept. It it opens possibilities to um, there's a lot of characters from Toy Story that their backstories might be really interesting to actually see played out in a prequel-ish uh, kind of environment. So this is the part where I tell you that the little O'Dowd was like, I don't really care if I ever see this movie. I'm not upset with that because he missed Toy Story. 
So it's not I mean, something he like, that he would have. He it's not something that he would have been attached to like I was. Toy Story one came out in what nineteen ninety four, something like that. He, I, I just, I was funny because I showed him the trailer and he was like, "Oh, so this is like Toy Story." Uh, I mean, I'm not, he, he basically was like, "Okay." And 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 to his credit, children oftentimes mimic or follow the path that their parents set for them. You already out on Toy Story, so he ain't gonna be in on it either. Why, Ray? What are you saying? <laughs> what does he think of Rise he is of Skywalker? No That's what I want to know. What does he think of Rise of Skywalker? We're gonna we're gonna interview him about all of his. So, what do you really think about R two D two? Most powerful creature <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. He is the most powerful entity in the Star Wars universe. That's right. All right. Well, that's a lot of good trailers that dropped this week, folks. Make sure that you get out there and check it out. We're going to take our second commercial break here. And when we come back, we're going to cover some news around the Nerdosphere. Before we go to our recorded commercials, of course, it is my duty to remind you all that if you like what we do here on the ChairShot Radio Network at thechairshot.com, to head on over to prowrestlingtees.com and invest in a chairshot.com t-shirt. We have all kinds of wonderful designs for you to choose from. Everything from the ChairShot logo to sayings from shows to the shirt for this show that you're listening to right now, Bandwagon Nerds. I got mine. You can get yours for the low, low price of $19.99. Or if you want to feel fancy, feel something nice on your giblets, feel spend a few dollars more, get it soft spot, soft style. Good Lord, easy for me to say today. All of this helps us bring you quality content day in and day out. We really, really appreciate it and hope that you will consider investing in a chairshot.com shirt. Again, that site is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we are going to cover news around the nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, gentlemen, it is now time for news around the Nerdosphere. And let's start with news that I'm excited about. I'm also and I and I'm also excited to, because uh, I was genuinely surprised by one Ray Cash this this weekend. Yeah. So the news the news item that we're going to start with first is that it was announced this week after the successful first run weekend. Which, by the way, as we're recording this, the box office office results from this past weekend have also hit, and it's second consecutive week at the top of the box office means that this was definitely a good decision. Dune part two has been greenlit for 2023. I was pleasantly surprised to see, cause honest to God, Ray, I didn't think you were going to watch Dune part one at all. I did. It did not strike me as your wheelhouse. It did. I mean, we can't get you to watch flash Gordon, but you sat down for damn near three hours to watch Dune. Like, 
mind a little blown. And so where I'd like to start here is before we even react to Dune Part 2 and getting greenlit for 2023, and there's actually already some problems that have come about, just tell the audience a little bit about your thoughts regarding Dune Part 1. Well, there are definitely a couple of parts I need to go back and watch again because, you know, slip apnea, I doze off unwittingly. So there's maybe 20 or 30 minutes I need to go back and watch just to get the general gist, but to but to see stuff. Like, I missed the part where the House of Harkonnen or whatever and the Emperor came and killed uh, Oscar Isaac or Duke of Atreides, whatever it's called. Atreides. That's kind of an important Atreides. part, Ray. Just saying. It is. <laughs> it was, right. But, I mean, but I, I clearly you can see it's happening, right? They don't even lie about it. They they have the where they're in the cone of silence and they talk about it. Um, I gotta tell you, I, I like I, I am a fan. I enjoy sci-fi. I'm not the biggest fan of fantasy. The reason I'm not the biggest fan of fantasy is because there's so much exposition and there's so much like I don't mind re- I don't mind things not being realistic, but there has to be a point where I can understand that this makes sense to me. And fantasy is based all on nothing has to make sense, which is cool. But a lot of a lot of the, the issue I thought I was going to have with Dune was um, these epic movies like that. It's so much of just staring off into space and and just having an exposition with another person and all of the dialogue. And there was some of that, but it wasn't so much that it drove me away. But as I hit y'all in the chat, the movie was pretty lit. Like I was into it. Really good, fantastically acted. Um, Jason Momoa may be my favorite actor in the world right now. Like he killed it. Him clean shaven throws me off badly. Crazy. <laughs> I know it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Weird. Stellan Starsguard continues to show he can do anything you ask him to do. Everybody, Josh Brolin. It well, he's Josh Brolin in this movie. Like Josh Brolin as Josh Brolin, but like Timothy Chalamet. The kid is the kid is, is a leading man. Like there is such a fun movie to watch. So cool. Um, a little long, but you expect it to be when you know where it's coming from, the source material. I enjoyed it, and I'm actually interested in watching Dune 2. And to your point, Patrick, you'll enjoy this. I regret I didn't watch it in theaters. Yeah, I I think even I think it's worth the money to go see it in a theater. I'll probably because, go back and, and watch and it. If, and if you and if you can find, I don't know if you have a theater near you that has IMAX, mm-hmm. spend the money on IMAX. That's the only thing that the nearest IMAX level theater to me is in Connecticut, because I'm just in I'm in rural Massachusetts, and so to get to a true IMAX theater, I got to take a little bit of a drive. Um, now that's not to say that the the theater that i went and saw with its stadium seating and and large screen was but you want to talk about something that makes a movie epic in scope the other thing that you said that i really just want to highlight timothy chalamet has to carry this film mm-hmm. and, and he does such a great job of doing because this movie is very much a world building foundational film centered around paul atreides and if he doesn't carry it, like if he fails, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't get greenlit for a sequel. To your point, a lot of the problem, and I, this this is no disrespect to this dude because I think he did a great job all in all, but a lot of the problems with 
the new Star Wars trilogy was Adam Driver and how he played Kylo. And they're very similar if you think about where they come from. It's just Kylo went evil, right? But they're both the 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 last vestiges of this whatever, right? But Kylo was so over the top. And Timothy played Paul with such grace and aplomb and bewilderment at times. I think it was very, very well done. And also, can I give a quick a quick shout out? Quick shout-out. I want to shout-out Zendaya. I want to shout-out Dave Bautista. And I want to shout-out Dave Dalmastian. Y'all had 15 minutes between y'all in that movie, bro. Keep getting them checks. Keep getting them checks, dog. I ain't mad at that, bro. <laughs> I, I had no idea. By the way, I had no idea. Was it ha- was it Javier Bardem is the uh, the leader yeah, of the Fremen? The Fremen. Yeah. And I was like, like, I didn't realize that until I went back and was looking through the cast and was like, Damn, man, he just they just hid him so well. Like I would have never picked it out. Dave, you are the East German judge in our nerd review. Um, I know the the ending was not quite what you were expecting, uh, and maybe it was a little slow for your taste, but give us your thoughts on Dune Part One and was it enough? Because you didn't you didn't put it below 2.5, which to me anything under 2.5 means that it's bad. Uh, but did it do enough to at least tempt you to part two? Oh, absolutely. No, I'm going to definitely watch part two because I think it's, it is, it's a movie that I think part one will make more sense once part two comes out. I just like, I, I think I put it in the, in the nerd review, the finished product felt unfinished to me. And that was the best way I could describe it. Um, there's nothing wrong with the movie at all. It, it, it's an excellent movie. It, it's beautifully done. The cinematography is beyond compare it's just like you were saying there, there's so much world building in this movie that it almost gets to the point. Okay. There's too much world building in this and I understand how they're setting it up. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the movie. I, I just felt like standing on its own that I, I, I couldn't quite see it as, um, you know, to the extent that you, you did, but I like the movie just fine. I I'm really, I mean, I'm excited that there's going to be a part two. Thank God. Because there's so many unanswered questions after this first one, like Ray talks about Paul and, and Paul just, you know, he's, he's looked upon by the people as the Messiah or their equivalent of the Messiah and his, you know, his getting to the point where he's going to accept that is very, it's like Neo trying to accept the fact that he's the one they even call him the one in this one. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same hero's journey that I think you saw Neo take. And once Paul accepts who he is, that, wow, I really am this person entity, you're going to see an emergence of an entirely different and very powerful character. Well, and not for nothing, but the second Dune novel is titled Dune Messiah. So there is that. <laughs> I here's rest my th- case, counsel. Here, here, here's my response, because I've seen this from a lot of folks who have talked about the the ending of the movie feeling like this unfinished thing. You know what it actually reminded me of? It reminded me of the tail end of The Fellowship of the Ring, The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. And people, it was fascinating to me because Dune, uh, Dennis Villanueva never made it any secret that this was part one of two. So that was part of why I was okay with the way it finished because I knew he wanted to set it up for his sequel. 
or for part two. So ending it sort of dangling with him making this, with uh, Paul making this decision to go with the Fremen made total sense to me as he moves on. And it reminded me very much of the end of Fellowship of the Ring, where Sam and Frodo are staring out, looking out over Mordor, talking about all these loose threads that we're going to start working on in the two towers. And I do think that a lot of people forgot that piece. Like I had one friend who literally didn't know that it was part one of two until the title screen that says Dune part one showed up. And then they're like, well, wait. And I'm like, yes. So the, the interesting thing is, is that it's greenlit for 2023 and they haven't even begun shooting yet for part two. Now, that's not as dire as it sounds because there is a lot of foundational stuff that has a that was allegedly done during the shooting of Dune Part One. Uh, but word on the street is is that they're not going to start working on Part Two until like mid to late 2022. So that makes me a little nervous, and maybe that timetable gets pushed back. I'm sure they'll find a way to get it done. I mean, they. You know, it's Marvel. I get you, dogs. I hear you. I'm worried too, but I also know that you know maybe they take a page out of Marvel's books. And if things aren't on schedule the way they wanted to, dates we we've learned this. Dates are fluid in the land of Hollywood, so we'll have to see what happens there. Let's uh, let's move on to our next topic, which I'm actually going to hand over to Dave to start and then roll into Ray because I know jack and shit about this character or this news announcement and whether or not I should be excited about, but deadline released on Twitter. And I think Ray shared it in our chat that Brendan Fraser has picked up a new DC role for an upcoming Batgirl movie. And the word on the street is that he has been cast as Firefly. So Dave, as one of the two people who knows anything about DC characters in this three person chat, who the fuck is Firefly? Why should I care? And should I watch this movie? Well, let me, let me, well, I want to get Ray involved in this right off the bat. Is, is Batgirl, is this a movie or are they starting a Batgirl movie. series? It's a movie. Okay. All right. Well, and that, yeah, I, it, so this is going to be part of the DC extended universe. I'm guessing uh, Ray, you yes, got, sir. you got familiarity with Firefly. Um, very much so. Yes, sir. Then you go. <laughs> Cause I, I'm not very familiar with it. I know Firefly. There's two different Fireflies. The so the one that most people probably have seen if you watched Gotham was the young lady who was burned by her brothers and by her brothers and whatnot. And she is another version, but the main Firefly's name is Garfield Lenz. Um, and he's kind of a pyromaniac that Batman again follows Batman world. Ninety five percent of all of the rogues have some tie to Batman because Batman did some to him. Or caught him and did this, or whatever. And fucking Batman. I'm saying, bro, like, what? Hey, you know, people live. He is, man. I mean, you know, he's over here breaking people's necks for like just trying to feed their families and stuff. But it is what it is. He's still the best. Um, but yeah, so he has the suit where he can fly and he's a pyromaniac and control fire and whatnot. But he is an older character, and most importantly. We've seen every Brogues villain you can think of. Race Al Ghul, Mr. Freeze, Joker 57, 11 times, like everybody. It's cool to see something different. And I'm really excited that we're getting another Riddler in the proper Batman movie who we've only seen once. I mean, I don't count the old stuff with Adam West. I don't count that. Um, and Firefly. 
You give me the quarter hours, bro, and I will be the happiest Batman fan you've ever had. But I'm it's just I think Garfield is a really cool person who is big enough that people know who he is and dangerous, but small enough on the rogues list that you're not thinking the whole movie, well damn, where's Batman at? That's my problem with the Batman Batwoman series. The entire time, all I could think of, and I don't I I don't watch it, but I hear stuff about it or I see stuff where they're fight they're fighting race out gold today or this well, where the hell's Batman at? This, Gar, like Firefly is big enough where he's he deserves your attention, but he's not destroy Gotham, destroy United States, destroy the world big enough to where you're like, all right, man, you need to call in the Calvary. So it's gonna be a real cool thing. And you, I can see some real cool a lot of Barbara Gordon's stories deal with her facing her own pardon the pun, demons. It'd be cool to see that aspect of this because, you know, Barbara asked for this. Everybody else was brought into it. Barbara joined this crusade willingly. So it'd be cool to see how they play that. Yeah, I got nothing to add, whatever Ray just said. So <laughs> there you go. Ray Cash for the win. Is Brandon Frank? Damn, I don't even get nothing. Oh. Hey. They they thought about it. They thought about it. They brought it before committee and then we're like, no. Um is Brendan Fraser the right actor for this role? I would say no. But I okay. think Brendan Fraser is such a great actor and such a lovable human Fraser, being. Not Fraser. Thank you, sir. I'm sorry. Brendan Fraser. He he gets really mad about that. Well, look, I'm so I'm sorry. No, the true this is a true story. Um Back when John Stewart used to do The Daily Show, and they would have little, um, they would have little commercials for it. There was one where he, Brendan Fraser was on the was on the show, and he was like, "You know, this is Brendan Fraser, not Brendan Fraser. If you say Brendan Fraser, I know where you live." Like, it was, interesting. So anyway, Brendan uh, Fraser, not the right guy, huh? Not the guy, bro. I don't, I don't think so because man, I don't remember, I don't remember this dude being. And I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but I don't remember Garland's being so big, like a bigger, more swole dude. He was a squirrely guy. I understand liberties are taken. Like, like yeah. Adrian Toomes in the comics is like 150 years old and about to die. And Michael Keaton is not Adrian Toomes. But you well, flipped it. For they the completely redid Adrian Toomes as who he was. Exactly. So, like, I get I get you take liberties with it. But Brendan Fraser is so Fraser is so dope. I don't think anybody will complain. A personal just, trainer, I would, Ray, and it'll all be good. Hey, getting 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 this big ass or whoever is a uh, um, stunt coordinator is going to be in the thing that flies. It's going to be very interesting to see. Cool. Yeah, I again, this is this is one of those movies that because I'm not steeped in DC. Makes it hard for me to get up for. Uh, I got. I got to see a trailer. Um, it, will it make you feel better that it's only HBO? It's only going to be an HBO Max original film. It's not going to be in theaters. I, I mean, honestly, that makes it a little bit harder for me to get behind it because it just falls into that miasma of content that we're all trying to sift through. It's going to be my Flash Gordon or something like that. I, I don't know. Or my maybe more accurately, it'll be my Masters of the Universe. So. It's it, 
I, again, it's gonna have to like it's gonna have to be a trailer for me to be like you all. I'm in for me to really jump onto it. So let's move into a, a piece of news in the realm of, and I was surprised to see Dave ask this question, but I'm gonna paraphrase Dave in the realm of is this really necessary? As Disney Plus has cast its lead for its upcoming national treasure series on disney plus and dave i'm gonna start with you what's your problem with that it's a younger cast for for disney plus my my issue with that and i know that i use the gif the ryan reynolds but why gif on on this thing it's just kind of like all right they're actually going to make a series about National Treasure. So is this going to be kind of like a, a Tomb Raider-ish Indiana Jones sort of thing where you got the lead character going around trying to uncover secrets and archaeological finds? Okay, that that's cool if they're going to do that. But to me, it was just like, okay, National Treasure had kind of run its course. The two movies were very good. I enjoyed both of them very much, but... Um, I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna fashion it that way, where it's gonna have like that Tomb Raider kind of feel, that Indiana Jones kind of feel to it, that might work. Sure, I just when they first said it, I was like, I never really thought about a, a big demand for more National Treasure products, IPs or or anything. But if they're, it just really did, like like you just said, I need to see a trailer. Probably on the same vein, I need to see a trailer and see how they're really presenting this. I will argue that there is low key a strong national treasure following out there that would surprise you, uh, as I do occasionally see it pop up on my timeline. People's love of Nicolas Cage pretending to be Indiana Jones. It's the last really said, relevant role that he did. So, other than Cage, I, yeah, the, the shit he's making, the shit he's making nowadays, though, by the way, is just bonkers and awesome and you should check it all out like his his foray into horror has been terrific um here's my thing uh lizette alexis who's been cast to play jess morales as the as the primary protagonist like that's fine i think there's a missed opportunity there because the best thing that was the, the one of the fun things about benjamin gates was his name benjamin franklin gates like there was that like that american history tie that was part of it and i would love to see something that would have had like jessica something morales or or however you wanted to follow that um, and depending on where she's from, you could definitely make that a regional thing. There's absolutely money in this kind of series. And it's something that I think National Treasure actually lends itself quite well to being a series because of exactly what you described, Dave. We're looking for different national treasures. It's a It can be a treasure of the week sort of thing, just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer occasionally had a monster of the week. Like, that's just makes a lot of sense on some levels that Disney could turn this into a series. And the nostalgia play is definitely going to result in viewership. What say you, Ray? Let me tell you why it's going to work. Carmen San Diego. Yeah. Every week it was a different thing. She was trying to steal. Now you, you take away her being the main person. You put it around national treasure, which already has a, a, a following and make it more, um, historical American content. You can even expand it, but I, I, the the potential is is there. And one thing you said, Dave, that I want to kind of um, dispute is who's asking for this? Who's asking for this is all these streaming services who have hours and hours of content to fill. That's who's asking for it. Because, excuse me, with respect to Disney Plus, 
and I love it. I never watch Disney Plus unless there's a movie I want to catch up on or it's a new streaming service. But I'm checking Netflix daily. I'm checking HBO Max daily because there's always something new. Disney Plus needs more regular new streaming content, and that's not a movie or for children. And so stuff like this could really help. Okay. Well said. I'll just I, say K. I, well, wow, you stole my gimmick. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a face and heel turn no, no, in the band. No. It's a double turn. It's a double turn. <laughs> my goodness. So I I agree with you 100%, Ray, although I do think that one of the things that makes Disney Plus so strong is that it has so many properties that people want to go back and rewatch that it gives it a lot of strength. So I don't know. I don't necessarily buy that they need a lot of new original content, though, you know, Disney Plus Day is coming up in mid-November and they're going to drop all kinds of shit. So be on the lookout for that. I think this will be a. I think this will be a, a series that will hold, probably please the fans of the franchise. It's not one that I'm going to go out of my way to catch, but uh, again, that's just me. I, I liked the National Treasure movies for what they were. Uh, I was not one of those that was clamoring for a third one, although rumors are always swirling about a National Treasure 3 somewhere in the pike. I, I I wasn't clamoring for the Mandalorian either. Now it's been probably the best series I've seen in the past two years. You're welcome. And National Treasure is unique in that Sean Bean didn't die, so he got in prison. How about that? Good for Sean Bean. It's always nice when you when 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 the character actor who usually dies doesn't die. So speaking of Disney, we're wrapping up with another Disney news piece. This one coming out of the MCU, and I shared it for last. Because this is like one of the worst kept secrets that that finally got announced officially. And that is that Bill Murray, long rumored to be appearing in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, has been announced as appearing in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, one Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in a, quote, secret role. Ray, you like to speculate. Who do you want Bill Murray to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? You're going to hate me. If you say it's coming, I swear to Mephisto. (laughs) And just like that, just like that, face turn is over and dead. Over and dead. Uh, Here's here's the the thing. He'd be hilarious as Mephisto. Wouldn't that be like the, the greatest turn ever? We're sitting there expecting him to be like the living body of the devil, and he's just cracking jokes. Okay, no, I don't. I don't want that. Um, try again. So, with respect, uh, I don't know Ant Man's history that deep. Um, it's no, he, he does, right? No, he does. It, yes. So my 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 thought would be he'd have to be somebody from Hank Pym's past because we all know Hank Pym is the the bane of the existence of the MCU. Clearly. According to what if every everything bad that happened to what if is because of Hank Pym. Um, one cool thing, one cool thing that could be if he is going to take a cricket turn. I'm I'm talking about from Ant Man's the Ant Man family character list, whatever. What if he could be? What if he's Eric O'Grady's dad? Those of you who don't know, Eric O'Grady is the 
the villain version of Ant-Man, who also stole the tech but uses it for evil. So, I, that's I, I. Other than that, I got nothing else. I have no idea. Dave, shit, man, I I try to think like like Ray. It's like trying to think of who from the Ant-Man universe. I, I, well, so. Let's 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 stop this right here. I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes on this Ant Man universe. Ant Man was a fucking Avenger. Like his he didn't have a comic first until after the Avengers. So I would actually think of him more in terms of the Avengers lore and then trying to look at his solo runs. You know, look at I don't I don't know, look at the Marvel universe in general, because also let's let's be clear, they're not above pulling characters who appeared in other franchises to show up in like quantum mania looks like it's going to deal with not just the quantum realm, but these other worlds, these universes, like maybe he is Mephisto. He's nightmare. That's who he is. He's going to be nightmare. I, I don't think he's going to be nightmare. I see some people online speculating. It could just be, um, uh, Scott Lang's father. <laughs> it's something right. as simple as that. It could, it, we, we may be making this too damn hard. Here's you don't cast Bill Murray in any role without it having a comedic slant. And Bill Murray as Scott Lang's father to create the opportunity to have him interplay with Paul Rudd. That's gold. That's gold. You want to talk about being able to steal a show, however he does it. It. He could steal a show. What if he's just Bill Murray as Bill Murray? Because, I mean, he's done that in quite uh, a few movies. That, well, he's done that in Zombieland. I don't know if I want him playing himself. Don't play yourself, Bill. I, at least give him a character name that has some sort of connection. He's going to do He's gonna do his trademark stuff. Like He's going to be a deadpan comedian. Like, that's that's his, his shtick. Like, that straight-faced, you know, he's not goofy too much. In in the sense of like, it's always just very matter of fact the way he he says things. Like, I don't I don't think he's going to be over the top silly. I think he's going to frustrate the shit out of Paul Rudd. He's going to embarrass him, and then that's going to allow Paul Rudd to do his whole little frustrated shtick where he's just like, oh, 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 like and all that stuff. Like that's what we're going to see. Uh, I, his being Scott Lang's dad makes a lot of sense. I I didn't even I haven't really read the internet speculation so. Either that or a Big Ernie McCracken. Now that would be great if he shows up as Big Ern from King. Nice, Ed. that would be, that'd be hilarious. He so. he would have been a cool Egghead had we not seen Egghead already right. die. So wait, where did we see Egghead? Remember, um, um, uh, Ghost is Egghead's daughter, and they show oh, yeah. the flashback of how she ended up phasing because he did the thing when Hank left right. and tried right. to do it on his own. Yeah, gotcha. Um. Favorite Bill Murray role of all time, Dave Ungar. Go. Oh man, probably like Bob from What About Bob would be right up there. Frank Cross has got a place in my heart too. Right, Scrooge. We already know what PC Tunney's answer would be. Uh, Ray, favorite Bill Murray role. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I mean. Ghostbusters is my my go to. I really enjoyed him because I love this movie. I I loved his uh his cameo in Space Jam. It was just so random, like that. Like Again, I, 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 him playing, I him playing himself. 
That's a that's a good one. Um, God, I'm forgetting the name of his character. I'm trying to remember it, but uh, the movie Stripes is one of my all time all time favorite comedies. See, the dogs agree with that too, and uh, I don't have a keyboard at my disposal right now to look up the name of his character. Um, I'm on it. Or Ray Zelinsky? No. That's Harold Ramis's character. Is is Zelinsky? Yeah. No, Winger. He's Winger. Um, John Winger. John Winger. That's what it was. I was like, I could, I knew it was one of them, but yes, I. I loved um, I love Stripes. I love him in that role. Uh, I also uh, have to agree. Frank Cross is terrific. Peter Venkman, iconic. All all great great stuff. Light up, um, Francis. Right, and I mean, and if you're looking like he's also done some great serious stuff too. Um, it's unfortunate. Like he's he starred opposite Scarlett Johansson in in a film once. So he's he's an underrated actor. Uh, who unfortunately didn't get the love, hasn't always gotten the love he deserves when he's tried to take a serious turn like a lot of other comedic actors. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does and what he uh, what role he plays in Ant-Man in The Wasp. And on that note, I shift to SpongeBob. an instrument? What a good jellyfishing! What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is. Okay. So this week, Patrick O'Dowd has a question comes from kind of just a rant. I was I was randomly sitting around thinking about our constant arguments over Rise of Skywalker and the Star Wars um, sequels. And I, I came to this interesting thought and, and just kind of disappointment. And things that we've been really hyped or excited for, that when we finally got to see them, we were disappointed in them. This also came about for me and the number of people who were excited for Dune, who were then excited, then disappointed in the result, though I don't understand them, whatever. And so discounting big time blockbusters that you may have been disappointed in, such as Star Wars, some of those franchise disappointments. What is a movie or television show that you are hyped AF to see? that when you finally saw it, you were disappointed in the result. And if you need a minute to think, I'm going to lay out my biggest disappointment because I think it might surprise you guys. It's the fifth element. I I was so excited to see this movie. And not only was I disappointed, I hated it in the movie theaters i hated chris tucker i hated bruce willis i hated the multi-pass shit i hated gary oldman i hated everything i saw and i let the hype train surrounding the movie because i i remember one of the big pieces of the hype with that movie was people were billing it like the next sci-fi movie to follow star wars and that it was going to be this great next Star Wars. And I watched it, and I understood it, and I 
was so disappointed and par- probably not on, as Greg DeMarco would say, my playlist of what I expected. But I was so disappointed in that movie. I've never watched it in total since I saw it at the theater. I, I was so disappointed in it that I, that I never that I never have been able to try and watch it again. So that's mine. Um, I'm going to pick on Ray because his face isn't fading in and out of a Washington football team logo. Ray, something you were thoroughly disappointed in that you were hyped to see either in a theater or on a television show. So all of my thoughts come from stuff that was good to turned bad. I'm trying to think of stuff that originally I was hyped for and immediately I was like, I'm out. Um, I can tell you that, um, some of the newer X-Men movies like Apocalypse and uh, Dark Phoenix. That's uh, fair. Actually, no. The new Fantastic Four movie. That's the one. That's the, for me. Josh Trance? Yes, because I was here for the cast. I thought the cast was impeccably picked. Like, I'm... People are hot and cold on Miles Teller, and deservedly so. He has some roles. Whiplash is one of my favorite movies ever, ever created. And he's fantastic. And then there's some stuff where you want to punch him in the mouth. So I was kind of, I wasn't sure if I was hearing him being Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards, but the other three were fantastic. And I was even cool with the dude that played doom. And that movie is just boo-boo. It is God awful. And I'm a guy that will give a lot of, if I can get through it, I, I don't, I, I don't remember watching the whole movie. Yeah. Like it's, Bad, bad. Like it's really bad. Like that it's was so the, bad. I hate. I stuck up for it when people were hating on the interracial brother sister thing. I just right. wish I was just shutting my mouth. It's bad. I remember not seeing that movie because of how poorly reviewed it was, and because of the strife that was involved in production. Like, there were a lot of production problems with that movie between the studio and Josh Trank and the cast and Miles Teller that it it had disaster written all over it. And so that's that's why I, I've never seen that movie. Um, Not missing and, nothing, bro. And I'm comfortable never seeing that movie. Dave, what about you? Something you were hyped to see that by the time you finally saw it, you were like, wow, this is this is not good. Yeah, I love Ray's picks. I mean, the Dark Phoenix saga, they've shit the bed twice on that now. That's an excellent right. choice. Um, Rocky Five was one that I remember really well because... in that the, the way- Tarver one? Huh? No, that no, no. This is the one that they just... This is the one with Tommy Morrison. That was the one with the street, that was the one with the street fight yeah, at the, the end. the street fight at the end, and it got so fucked up because they were actually going to kill Rocky off in that. Then when they showed it to a test audience... They lost their fucking minds and they said, we better flip flop this. And you can feel that ending doesn't, but the whole thing is just, it's just so disappointing in the wake of Drago. Wait, we're going to send him back to the streets of Philadelphia and there's no fight at the end. It just, uh, I, I just did not like that. I know I'm not the only one. Um, Green Lantern has got to be one that ranks right up there that like you had such hopes for this movie and you can't pin that on Ryan Reynolds. But when they turn Parallax into a fucking cloud, um, you know, it's comparable to Fantastic Four, the, 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 you know, where they turn Galactus into a cloud. So, yeah, I think all those rank really. I know you guys want me to say Justice League, which was moderately disappointing, but I'm not going to say I was thoroughly disappointed in that. Watchable. You, I don't yes. think you could be disappointed if a movie was watchable. It 
was watchable. That's it why just I, wasn't that's, what wasn't what I wanted. Sure, that's why I didn't say Green Lantern because Green Lantern is watchable. If it's on TV, I'll still watch it to this day. It is. I will not watch Fantastic Four at oh, all. Oh no, 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 not not the last one. No, Green Lantern's watchable, but yeah, they really do a disservice to one of the most iconic villains in DC. Like he was on our villain project. Uh, I think Patrick had him listed. It's just like, wow. I, I mean, and the stuff they did with the ring where it's like, dude, you've got the most powerful weapon in the DC universe. You're going to make a Hot Wheels fucking track out of this thing. Come on. That to, to, I'm sorry. One more thing real quick. That's the yeah, reason why there hasn't been one. The, the short last segment of the show. Sure, but but that's the reason why that nobody can get Green Lanterns right because it's so hard to. I think they're so hard to get correct, and and I don't know if that's the character or it's, whatever it is. Well, it's a, it's a challenge, and, and again, that Green Lantern to me is the type of comic that if you're going to turn it into a film, you really need somebody who, like, I would I would trust Kevin Smith to make a Green Lantern movie because Kevin Smith read Green Lantern, right? Like you need somebody who's intimately familiar with the source material to really pull that off. Um, and I'm sorry, Justice League was a thorough disappointment, as was the Snyder Cut. Finally, last two, two more. Well, no, they they don't they don't boo that. Like, like, right? Yeah, see, they agree. They agree. Two other disappointments for me: The Crow, City of Angels. One of the few movies I ever got up and walked out of because it was so bad. And it just really showed that the character that Brandon Lee really made that character and and trying to bring that back was just was not it was terrible. It was so bad. So so bad. And don't ever watch it. And then um Dave mentioned it, but both uh both of the other Fantastic Four films, uh, because I love the Fantastic Four. They're they're actually one of my low-key favorites and i remember getting free tickets to a early screening of the first fantastic four movie from i won them from my local comic shop and i show up with uh with my uh with my mrs o'dowd at the time was my girlfriend and um i felt really bad like really bad so there you have it folks some disappointment from the bandwagon that's going to do it for this week's edition before we get out of here gentlemen we got to tell them where to find us let's start this week with raymond s pumpkins you can find me at pc tunny okay any questions hashtag scratch golfer (laughs) is there a cash r-e-y as a mysterio c-a-s-h as in dollars and uh yeah david ungar you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And remember, send all your hate tweets to at the real C Platt. So And don't forget it's me, DPP. Him too. Anybody else we need to, to shout out before I remind I mean, you all? Head honcho at Chair Shot Greg. I'll let him. Thank you for letting us have a show. That is true. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also follow the Bandwagon Nerds podcast at Bandwagon Nerds. That, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's edition. Hope everybody has a wonderful, had a wonderful Halloween by the time this drops. Uh, And yeah, get yourself out of the basement. 
watch something spooky. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. I mean, the Mohawks have beaten us the last 12 years. They're going to beat us again. That's just the attitude we don't need, Phil. Sure. Mohawk has beaten us 12 years in a row. Sure, they're terrific athletes. They've got the best equipment that money can buy. Hell, every team they're sending over here has their own personal masseuse. Not masseur, masseuse. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. Do you know that every Mohawk competitor has an electrocardiogram, blood and urine tests every 48 hours to see if there's any change in his physical condition? (laughs) Do you know that they use the most sophisticated training methods from the Soviet Union, East and West Germany, and the newest Olympic power, Trinidad Tobago? (laughs) But it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I tell you, it just doesn't matter. 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 Even if we win, if we win, ha! Even if we win, even if we play so far over our heads that our noses bleed for a week to ten days, even if God in heaven above comes down and points his hand at our side of the field, even if every man, woman, and child held hands together and prayed for us to win, it just wouldn't matter because all the really good-looking girls would still go out with the guys from Mohawk because they got all the money. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.